Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Greetings, comrades. Now, some of you might find this subject weird, but I know that um, cafe culture is huge in some of the places that you live in. This goes for my European listeners mostly, but I have some interesting studies right here just about how it was like for an average Soviet citizen to spend a nice evening in a cafe with their friends. Yeah, I also know the yearning of this COVID era. And to be honest, at the moment I just want to be as far from politics as humanly possible. Oh, and I haven't finished the Alaska book just yet. But I have a lot of things to do outside of the show. I've been approached by some folks in China who've liked me to do personalized history courses for some people. And that requires quite a lot of paperwork, and I thought a a Back to the Roots episode would be amazing and uh, fit right in at this point, really. First of all, cafes as such were extremely rare. They, for one, existed only in the Baltic states, Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, and also they were there in Moscow and St. Petersburg. Everywhere else, they only basically had kolkhoz-associated bistros. In Russia proper, besides larger cities, there were no cafes. Like I said, either restaurants or bistros. And I'm saying bistro when the proper closer term would mean eatery. A kind of a diner, if you will, but please, no images of American one here from the 50s or something. More closer would be a uh, something from the whole high school movies or prison movies or something like that, with the trays and all, getting everything on a conveyor basis, not being anything cultural at all. That's because, starting with the revolution, cafes and restaurants were viewed as a bourgeoisie establishments which socialism had to destroy. But because the communists needed money, and because Lenin established the new economical policy, the NEP, they survived. But not everywhere. So they certainly weren't common. That is why, well, the Baltics were a uh, major tourism object. Which is why they were so much more over here in the Baltics, like I just mentioned, 
because we were developed as the West in the interwar period. They served as tourist traps and uh, as much-needed sources of foreign money. Which is why cafes, like I mentioned before, existed only here in Moscow and Leningrad, now St. Petersburg. As all the Western tourists would only come here and say, you know, Vladivostok or Khabarovsk or something. During Soviet era, most of the daily cafes were vaguely masked restaurants. Because each and every one of them has a face control of sorts. The guy who decides if you can go in or not. I thought the term was portmanteau, but apparently it isn't, because Google Translate, well, failed me once again. But seriously, it's kind of like a bouncer, but in reverse. In Google Translate, this mixes over and just, in Latvian we call it Schweizers, which for some reason translates into Google Translate as a Swiss person, but actually it's the person who literally decides to let you in the cafe or not, the one who stands outside there. I guess it's a bouncer? But in my idea, a bouncer is the person who uh, throws you out of the place when you misbehave, instead of the one doing face control and deciding whether or not you are allowed to enter it. That's a bit of a weirdness here, which I am sorry, but I cannot fully translate to you. And the fun fact was that the cafes which did not have the bouncer person were even harder to get in, especially in Riga and Jurmal, which were kind of the tourist towns, due to the immense queues, especially during the evenings. Because of this, going to a cafe became a status thing. If you could go to a cafe during the evening, that meant you had the contacts or the influence to actually get in one. And, you know, you could spend some time there. And the angry bistro lady would send you off, but the bouncer would let you in, and then you would truly be a person that was actually someone. Obviously, achieving such a status as a person who got into cafes was pretty darn difficult. Rich parents are politically connected or being a plumber or a car repairman or working as a salesperson or in a store, very prestigious professions during the Soviet era notwithstanding, yeah, those were the ones who got in. Due to the status involved, everyone who went to cafes and restaurants could be separated into three categories. First were the common, average mortals, who just wanted to get closer to the elite lifestyle. Whoever, at the time, saved up money for the whole month to get their date a restaurant access. That was just an important thing. That was extremely important, as taking your date to a restaurant was as much as a declaration of love as a straight-up marriage proposal. It definitely wasn't your everyday thing. The second category was the so-called middle class, but in the Soviet sense. These were the people who worked in the black market, who sold the jeans, the rock music records, the smugglers. For them, it was a lifestyle. They had to go to such places because they needed to get more contacts, they needed to get more clients. They were there as part of their jobs, and it was their everyday routine. The third category, then, 
were the really the hidden millionaires of the Swiss system. The guys who had completely cheated the system, who had managed to abuse it so much and get away with it that it was totally normal for them. They were also the complete show-offs. They normally showed off ordering for hundreds of rubles, whereas I remind you, the average salary of a professional engineer with a master's degree was about 120 rubles. A qualified doctor got about the same. A nurse's salary at the time was 60 rubles. Just to throw in there, a pair of jeans from the West was 200 rubles, and a Soviet-made quality coat was 80 rubles, which means that a nurse with her whole monthly salary couldn't even buy a Soviet-made coat, just so for the people who think that the Soviet-era living was super cheap. A Zhigulikar, a cheapest one, was 5,000 rubles. These guys, these very special guys who were among the richest ones, yeah, they spent a Zhigulikar a single night. The middle category was the most profitable one, and those people spent the money there. The richest people often had banquets, just ordered the food and every luxury item at their own homes, nomenclature or black market kingpins. It's all the same. They still were rare. But the middle class black market regular dealers, small time smugglers and whatnot, they brought in the most income. Because they wanted to pretend they were the kingpins, so they wanted to show their authority, so they went there, and they went to these pubs and cafes and spent the most money there. And now I have to explain what a cafe or restaurant meant in the Soviet era. To get into one, meant entering a whole new planet. You know, the one where actually people care about you. And because of this change of scenery as such, people were ready to pay tons of money alone. Getting rid of dark, mundane uselessness to see something fancy. It was worth it. There are two reasons for this. Those were the only places where people cared about you. Where you were truly serviced. This was the occasion when you could get someone else serving you, where you could feel special. Like, not just an everyday citizen, no, 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 not that. Not your mundane Soviet, no, no. Here you would spend what you wanted. Here you would order what you want, and the personnel would treat you as something actually special, and this something special feeling, yeah, it was very rare in the Soviet Union. So that you understand what was the bribe and what happened and what's important. In front of every cafe and restaurant, no matter where they were, there was a sign saying no vacancy. No matter the time of the day, no matter whether they were actually had any vacancies or not, you just had to give a bribe. Welcome to socialism, kids. Anyone who thinks it's all dandy and nice... No, it isn't. And in the background of the sign, the bouncer felt like complete king and master who decided who went in in this completely empty cafe and obviously who was out. Obviously, depending on the amount of money they paid him to let them in. 
Now, this just might be the theory for your Western minds, and that just might blow it, but here are some real examples on how getting into cafes influenced the everyday lives of the Soviet people. By the way, another tangent, and uh, sorry, Einars, you are wrong about this, my QA guy. This is fully sourced, mind you. Even though the USSR government told that money meant nothing, it actually meant everything. Most of this system is revealed by the stories of the Soviet athletes, as they ate only in such restaurants and cafes. Hey guys, Annette here. I hope you are enjoying our new episode of The Eastern Border. As always, a big thank you to all of our Patreons. The show would not be possible without your help. If you are not a Patreon and would like to become one, head over to the Eastern Border page on patreon.com. Please remember to also follow us on our social media, like Twitter, where we are known as Eastern underscore Border, and on our Facebook page. We also have a Discord server, so if you're interested in that, find the link in the description of this podcast. That's it for now. See you online. This podcast brought to you by RussianVoiceOvers.eu. Enjoy. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Every restaurant had a dream to get a famous athlete or a sports team to visit there, especially from the Caucasus, because these guys always ordered their three-second meals with tons of meat and herbs, which was the most expensive meals everywhere. These three portions were served in such a way and for such a price that the accountants counted them as six-second meals, because the control over these expenses were so lax and they just did not care about the price. They knew they were getting scammed, but on the other hand, they could always write it down as travel expenses. And now, just to tie in some modern things in here, I want to talk about Artyom Zuba. Thing is that uh, about a week ago, in the Russian social media, Artyom Zuba was a victim where someone asked about $5 million from him because um, a video was leaked where Artyom Zuba was uh, caught off masturbating. And that's kind of stupid in a way if you think about it because um, 
Well, everyone faps. Let's just admit it. Everyone faps, okay? But Artyom Juba got into trouble because, um, well, someone wanted cash of him. And he has apologized about the video. He has told the fact that, um, you know, well, it's a bad video and the people are trying to get at him for the video. And at the same time, I am on his side 100% because, you know what, the main reason is why he's being offended in the Russian era, like in the Russian sphere. Not because he fapped on the video, but because he quote-unquote twisted his tongue like a woman while he was masturbating. Yeah, this is not Fab for kids show, obviously, but um, who cares? This is kind of like I said in the prison video. I mean, this comes from the sense that um, receiving oral sex from a woman is totally okay, but giving one is bad. And if you look like a woman while you're fapping, then that means you are connected to gay. And being a homosexual is a terrible, terrible sin in the Soviet and the Russian minds currently. Which is obviously um, a very dumb thing to do. Now, Artyom Zuba, even his fans and followers in his team, they went out screaming anti-Zuba slogans during his last play and he's under a lot of surveillance and people are just yelling at him. I'm just tying this together because, you know, this is all about restaurants and athletes and whatever, but uh, now we have Artyom Zuba, who's actually done nothing wrong. He basically fapped and sent a video of him fapping to his girlfriend and now his girlfriend is blackmailing him and in any normal country in every normal country that would be a reason for the girlfriend to be a bit accused for you know hey that's the guy's private stuff that's what he does whatever right but no but no and again the main reason is that he looks too much like a woman while masturbating because that makes him kind of into a homosexual now look look this is a touchy subject again and i am not a homosexual myself but i have quite a few friends who are and they don't get the fucking point because uh yeah if you expect camp gay from everyone that's kind of dumb and i never would expect that on my show to defend gay rights or anything like that because this is Eastern Europe, but right now, like, in the last game, due to the extreme homophobia of Russia, they even revoked his captain's uh, title. They gave captainship to someone else, just because it was there, and he, again, looked too much like a woman when this happened. And this is just stupid. Putin's been into his bunker for all this time, nothing has changed, the ruble has fallen once again... Madness continues, everything's going down, but for some reason, Artyom Juba is what's happening here. Again, tying this into the more political stuff of, of the week, um, in Donbass region, where I was war reporting from, they are now uh, contemplating taking hostages from the local population to increase their recruitment. 
What I mean is that the local separatists, Russian-backed separatists, who are now feeling, well, bad, because Russia isn't really backing them up, they intend to take hostages from every family in the region just so they could get more people fighting for them in the whole war. That means that if you have someone in your family who is a male and who could fight for the separatists, they'll take your wife or your kid as a hostage just so your able-bodied male will fight for them. Yeah, that's a long shot from, um, you know, my restaurant episode stuff, but, um, well... (laughs) As you know, my episodes aren't recorded in a single take, and um, some things just happened as to prove to people that I care about them a lot. And when it comes to Donbass, this is what I do. They've gone a bit too far, because this is now in the open Donbass media. They just say that Russia doesn't care about them. They just state that, um, yeah, they'll take hostages from the families of the people whose men have not followed into the fighting operations. Therefore, to create a sort of an enforced Stockholm syndrome, they'll take hostages to make sure that everyone fights for Donbass against Ukrainians. What we all could do is just support Ukrainians a bit more. Because this is just going a bit too far, if you'd ask me. Finally, I'm not sure if I mentioned this in the last episode, but the Gosduma law, which states that, yes, Mr. Putin and Dmitry Medvedev too, because, well, everyone forgets him for a very good reason, because he was just a placeholder for a bit. Yeah, he's also immune to every criminal prosecution for whatsoever. So as long as Putin remains president, and even after he stops being president... Well, he can go out on the street and shoot anyone he likes, and he cannot be prosecuted for anything. Welcome to the fun life. I wanted this to be a fun episode about the restaurants and everything, but the politics of the era just make it so weird. Now, I, um, I'm feeling kind of weird here because, uh, you know, I used to be a small podcast, right? And I didn't, didn't really get much news from other podcasters but there are two podcasts that I kind of want to talk to you about a bit because they wrote to me and I'll mention those but that's about it on this episode because still no computer here but uh, we'll get to that but just in case two podcasts that I definitely want you to know about so uh, please um don't be angry, but you at least you know about the Russian restaurants and the sweet restaurants and the fact that uh, someone fapping can get into a huge trouble for you. So the two shows I want to talk about, well, they both uh, message me on Twitter, which is why I recommend you to use as well, because, well, Facebook has banned me for a month, and um, this time for like criticizing local politicians, one of them is called... Um, the Twitter handle is timeline i suppose i don't know they both messaged me and um this guy is um, history of north america podcast he just started listening to our show and he's in a long way in a wild ride but he wants to do a history of mexico canada and united states apparently and uh yeah he asked me to check him out and i did it was pretty great 
And the next one is the Rent Free Hockey Podcast, which are a bunch of Canadians which sent me a letter on Twitter worth like nine a four messages. They're Canadians, and I like Canucks. Man, if Canada would be like the second place I would live in, because I love Canada, and these guys do an NHL uh, Canada team sports podcast. They even said go Dynamo Riga. Thanks for that, guys. Uh, but yeah, if you if you're into hockey and if you're from Canada, and I know that I'm quite popular in Canada, then go and check out the Rent Free Hockey Podcast, covering the NHL's Canadian division and whatever else is living in your heads rent free by uh, Cam and Britton. Well, you know, I'm just giving you the information which they sent to me, and there's a lot of text, and I can't cover all of it. But yeah, go check out those two podcasts, and always, always check out Astonishing Legends. Tell the Astonishing Legends guys that I sent you there. At any rate, thank you for listening to this podcast. It was a bit of news and a bit of bit of old school Soviet history. I wanted to stay away from politics, but it all just meshed up. But yeah. Check out the podcast that I recommended you. Please do, because that's always important to us. They don't pay me anything. They're just, you know, like when I was in the beginning, I also messaged kind of more famous podcasts and, um, you know, wanted to wanted to see if they would support me or something. So just, just check in here. Oh, and of course, American History Podcast. I'm not sure how it's, like, it's a bit different from the North American Podcast, but American History Podcast. I was on the show, and uh, he's been following me on Twitter. Check those guys out, too. Bunch of shout-outs here. Uh, of course, our fake history, always. Uh, I always listen to that show. And never forget either Revolutions whenever they come out now or Dan Carlin's Hardcore History whenever that comes out because you always should light a candle at Dan Carlin's Shrine. But yeah, that's about it. That's about it for this time. And next time, I will finally be recording on my own computer once again. It's going to be glorious, comrades. I'm going to be able to make a full episode which is not something that I do from, like, the middle of nowhere on a computer that is, like, totally unsuited for recording. Now, isn't that amazing? At any rate, do свидания, And thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to The Eastern Border. If you have any comments or specific details you'd like to know, you're welcome to leave it in the comment section on our site, theeasternborder.lv and we'll rummage even to the western border to find you an answer. Like this podcast? Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or on our RSS feed. Happiness is mandatory. Good reviews and donations feed the farmers of our kolkhoz in the great motherland. The Eastern Border salutes you. This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org for more shows like this one. The Dark Myths Void. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.